Hello, welcome to the first edition of Forward Maryland. My name is Bill Woodcock, and I'd like to welcome you to this inaugural edition of my new podcast. I am a uh, resident of Howard County, Maryland. I am a registered Democrat. I am a active Democrat. Uh, I have been involved in community and uh, civic and political organizations for about the last 30 years. So I have a wealth of experience of local and state issues uh, affecting everyday Marylanders. Uh, most recently, I wrote a blog called uh, 53 Beers on Tap, or the 53. Hopefully uh, you've read it. Uh, I ran, wrote that blog for about 10 years. Uh, prior to that, I was about uh, 15 years in of being a very uh, involved and prolific uh, letter-to-the-editor writer. So uh, I went from the print media to, uh, to the web uh, with my blog, and so now this is my new enterprise, which is... Uh, this format, Forward Maryland, uh, there is a blog for it. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably listening to it off the blog page now. Uh, there's also a Facebook page, and uh, there will be more uh, more venues to come. Uh, but uh, like I said, this is my first edition of uh, Forward Maryland, and my first uh, foray into this format. So uh, please be kind. Uh, gentle listeners as uh, we move, uh, no pun intended, we move forward. So that's a little bit about who I am, and so let's get right into the issues that are concerning us today. Um, Our latest, uh, of course everybody knows, the November elections produced some very uh, sweeping changes uh, in local governments. And uh, I'm a resident of Howard County, Maryland. I live in Columbia. And to be quite honest, I can't think of a, lo- a new local elected official who, upon coming into office, has absolutely crushed uh, their first six weeks on the job as new Howard County Executive Calvin Ball has. Uh, he has made amazing changes to uh, county government and to the um, way county government orients itself towards its employees, and I know that the changes are are uh, are just beginning. Uh, the first thing I'll like to talk about is his commitment to diversity, um, inclusion, and equity. Uh, in the short time he's been county executive, uh, Mr. Ball has appointed the county's uh, first uh, female police chief, uh, first uh, female uh, fire chief, uh, first African-American um, police chief, and um, he is just, um, you know, doing great things. Uh, his own staff, his own office is a diverse uh, and talented uh, group of people. Um, you know, a lot of politicians in this day and age uh, look at um Diversity, equity, inclusion is buzzwords, as things that, you know, are just nice things to say, but not follow up upon. And County Executive Ball is to be commended for not just uh, talking the talk, but certainly walking the walk, uh, as he had done during his 12-year County Council career, and it's uh, very refreshing to see him doing this now as County Executive. And 
like I said, I'm sure that these uh, changes are just the first, and there's much more to come. Uh, another thing that I am appreciative of in Howard, in Howard County, and our prior executive, um, he, um, he did do some work and some outreach in terms of having town hall meetings around the county. Uh, but during his four-year term, he started out uh, by having a town hall meeting, I want to say about once a quarter, uh, and then those became less frequent in the second half of his tenure. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think Calvin Balls had about one a week uh, since he took office uh, on average, and that counts taking off two weeks for the holidays. Uh, if I remember the calendar correct me correctly, I think he has 10 scheduled in all. I believe he has two coming up this week. And he has been going all over the county. Uh, he has had some of his uh, listening sessions, as he calls them, uh, during the day at uh, local senior centers. And I, I've been to a couple of these listening sessions, and they have been very well attended. Uh, and people are not shy in saying what they think, uh, even if what they think is not what uh, the county executive uh, ran on and uh, said that he would do. So uh, I'm very happy to see uh, Mr. Ball getting this feedback direct from the community. Uh, despite having run a campaign for a year, uh, he's still going back to the community and asking for their thoughts instead of simply assuming, um, you know, that he knows what they think. So I think that's terrific. Uh, so like I said, uh, County Executive Calvin Ball in Howard County is off to a terrific start. And uh, he's got, there's a lot of energy in this administration, and I'm really looking forward to what the next six weeks brings. Uh, not to be outdone. Uh, Howard County's neighbor to the northeast, Baltimore County, uh, County Executive Johnny O, Johnny Olszewski. But if you go to his website, go to his bio, it says County Executive Johnny O. I love it. Uh, he's also hosting a number of uh, town hall meetings. Uh, he's doing one with each and each of the seven county council districts in Baltimore County. Uh, he just had his first one last week. I believe he has his next one coming up uh, next week. So if you look at the Baltimore County website, type in search town hall, you will find out a list of where you too can meet Johnny O. And uh, you can hear what uh, folks have on their mind in Baltimore County. So just some interesting things of what's going on around the, around the um, Baltimore area. Um, of course, the state legislature, our General Assembly, has started its latest session. That just started on Wednesday. That's uh, going to be a fairly important session. There's going to be a lot of stuff on the agenda, from whether or not to have a referendum on uh, sports betting uh, in the state of Maryland in 2020, uh, funding the state's education system, funding school construction, uh, taxes, jobs, uh, technology. Um, there's going to be a lot of things on the, on the plate. So uh, it's going to be worthwhile to see what develops as the big issues. I already know that you know the Kerwin Commission to discuss uh, state education funding, 
provide for additional funds for additional public school programming. Um, you know, that's going to be more of a longer term issue, it looks like, although, of course, uh, the preparations for that and discussions for that are going to continue. So uh, this is a developing story, so watch this page for more. Um, moving into the national political scene, um, what else is there to say? I mean, the big thing, or two big stories, kind of take the... Uh, really three big stories, kind of take the air out of everything else. Uh, one is, of course, the federal shutdown, uh, which I believe is in day 23 as of this recording. Uh, it's kind of an insane thing. I worked for the federal government myself for nine years, and I don't think I ever suffered a uh, government shutdown. And uh, this is the third one under this president, which is a little bit ridiculous, considering it's only been two years. And uh, very disappointing that this president's first response to a new uh, bipartisan Congress is to shut the government down. Um, you know, it's immature. Uh, obviously, I'm not a fan of the current holder of the uh, current occupant of the Oval Office. But uh, besides the point, this is uh, not negotiation. This is bullying. And, and this is just... Uh, petulance. So, um, you know, this is a, uh, this is a blog and, and well, this is a, a format. Anybody who's read my blog knows that I am not shy towards, uh, calling a spade to spade and talking truth to power. So, uh, I look forward to doing that more. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are many, many things I could say about our president that, uh, I'm just going to choose right now, uh, not to go there, and if I wind up going there in the future, well, uh, well, whatever happens, happens. But uh, what I'm interested in uh, about this uh, shutdown is how long can this reasonably go on? Uh, what is the end game for this? Uh, this doesn't look like to be anything where. Um, Democrats, there is a ABC Washington Post poll that just came out today. Today happens to be Sunday the 13th, uh, if you're listening to this. And uh, by a large margin, the public favors the Democratic position on this. Uh, by a smaller margin, a majority opposes a border wall. Uh, there's been a lot of media this weekend about how a border wall is simply ineffective and won't do anything that the president says it's going to do. It's not going to stop drugs from crossing the border. The vast majority of drugs already cross through, you know, have nothing to do with the wall. They come in through cars, they come in off of planes, they come in off of boats, so they go around and through the wall. Uh, the wall's not going to do anything except sue somebody's ego. Uh, the wall's not going to do anything except uh, be a statement, uh, be a symbol. And uh, I guess that's really part of what's sad, right? Because American symbols, you know, what do you think of when you think of American symbols? You think of the Statue of Liberty. You think of Mount Rushmore. Um, you know, you think of the Grand Canyon. Um, you don't think of a wall. You know, you think of the Great Lakes, think of Niagara Falls, you don't think of a wall, you know, Independence Hall, um, 
the Alamo, um, you don't think of a wall. And uh, that is, um, that's telling. That's telling of not just who this person is who's in the White House, but also where we are as a country, that we are in a place where a wall is a, uh, is a saleable, palatable thing, uh, even to the 30% of the population who actually, uh, who actually supports it, which when you think about it, folks, 30% is still 100 million people. That's a lot of people. So something um, ought to be done, probably, about this president, and it will be. Uh, I really think that, you know, I, I can't I can speak to the Mueller investigation and where that's going to go and what constitutional implications that may wind up holding, but certainly November 2020 uh, is going to be a uh, it's going to be a, uh, a a watershed election in this country. It's already shaping up to be such, and so I'm going to start to move towards the end of this initial podcast by uh, introducing you to a feature that I intend to have as part of this podcast called the Big Idea, and the Big Idea is something that should happen. Um, really could be a game changer if it did happen, probably won't happen. Um, and I had thought about this idea a few weeks ago, but, uh, it actually was mentioned in about two lines in an editorial in the Outlook section of, uh, today's Washington Post. And that would be with respect to the president receiving a primary challenge. And so people have talked about, um, you know, this is not a new thing in itself. I mean, there have been discussions about the president receiving a primary challenge um, before. But the names that have been mentioned to run against them, um, Jeff Flake, John Kasich, uh, even Mitt Romney lately was a name I heard. Uh, none of those names really seem to capture the imagination. You know, never... They seem to be retreads, you know, rehashes of the past, not, you know, not really something that is focused towards the future. Now, I, have, I know a lot of Republicans. I know a lot of active Republicans. I know a lot of, have a lot of friends and buddies who are just, you know, registered Republicans. And uh, they're embarrassed by this president and by what he's done, uh, not just to the country, but certainly to their party. Um, but the Republican Party has a problem in being able to do something about it. And um, I truly think, and again, I'm sitting from the, looking at this from the other side of the aisle, if the Republican Party really wanted to do something about it, uh, they would find as a candidate a partner, a partner of their values, of traditional Republican values, traditional conservative values, Maybe even somebody who has been known to govern towards the middle. Maybe even somebody who could work with Democrats and bring back what John McCain called regular order. They need a partner. And my suggestion, and this editorial writer's suggestion today as a partner, is that as a partner, they get none other than Maryland's Governor Larry Hogan. 
And uh, this is only mentioned for a couple lines in this editorial. This is not, this editorial I'm citing is not an exposition on the virtues of a Hogan for President campaign. But I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to provide that exposition. I think a Larry Hogan for President campaign in 2020 would be amazing uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, first off, Hogan won a strong uh, re-election bid this past year. Uh, not here to go into the negatives and the inefficiencies of his Democratic opponent. It's not the purpose. But he did win a by a convincing margin. And Maryland is an overwhelmingly Democratic state, not just by uh, registration, but by, um, you know, vote totals in, uh, in uh, other elections in 2018 and certainly in, in numerous presidential election years. The last time Maryland went for a Republican presidential candidate was 1988. So uh, there is that. Um, he has governed the ship of state adequately. Uh, certainly there are ideological things that I disagree with, but he hasn't been an embarrassment, unlike somebody another Republican elected official I can name. Um, he has a very compelling personal story. He has a long history of uh, work outside of government. Uh, he has not come with an ounce of scandal or impropriety uh, that's directly attributable to him. And I know in this state there have been some questions regarding some of Hogan's investments, and I know that in his past he had declared a personal bankruptcy. That's These are things that lots of people do, but these are not things that anybody ever investigated or anybody has ever used as a political point against Hogan. Uh, and he is married to a woman of color. Uh, he is married to a Korean-American woman, and uh, they have children. And, um, you know, he would be a uh, little bit of a striking point for Republicans to be able to point to their, their own commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, you know, I don't think, I don't know, but I've heard no rumors, records, instances of Larry Hogan going to Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina, but he would provide a very compelling alternative to the president in those states. He could speak to how he has governed a liberal state, how he has governed a democratic state in Maryland, how he could bring back um, regular order to the country, and what he could do. You know, he could bring the Republicans back to a position, their position, that served them well in the 80s uh, and in the 2000s of fiscal responsibility, of business growth, of a focus on jobs, and a focus on America's leadership in the world, uh, a focus on technology, a focus on strength, uh, and most importantly, he could bring an adult presence into the White House. Now, that last thing may not seem like much. Probably any of us, myself included, could bring more of an adult presence to the White House. But uh, Hogan could do it from a guy who's, from the standpoint of a guy who's been there before. 
He's a very genuine man, a very authentic man. And um, he would be a formidable candidate. He could be a picture of the Republicans' future, not a throwback to the Republicans' past. Now, this probably won't happen. I would say 99.8% sure this won't happen. No clue to imagine that Governor Hogan would have the stomach for a national campaign. Uh, don't know the governor's health status. Of course, he did have a cancer issue during his first term that I'm sure would, uh, I'm sure is something that he's aware of. And um, I'm very sure that the Trump base would take very poorly to a Larry Hogan or any Republican candidacy for president. And I'm not sure any self-respecting person would want to put themselves or their family or their friends or the people they hire through such a ringer. Uh, I'm pretty sure it would get ugly, vicious, and violent. Um, so I have, no, I have no inkling that he would run. I would have no expectation that he would run, or frankly, that any other member of the Republican Party would seriously run for president against Donald Trump. But um, it would be nice to think about. It would be nice to think about that there would be somebody out there who could get this president back to having a discussion of ideas, to having a discussion of accomplishments, to have a discussion of their plans, and put an end to this, you know, what is he going to say next thing? You know, this is not a, you know, this is not a game. This is the leadership of the free world. And in two years, you know, we have a voice as to whether or not uh, we wish to continue as the leader of the free world or whether or not we wish to continue to retract. Now, every single Republican that I know, I may disagree with them politically, but they're a patriotic American, a good person. And uh, they want America to be the shining beacon on a hill that Ronald Reagan envisioned it could be. And we do not live in a political environment where right now we can be that beacon. So if the Republicans won't take care of their own business, I'm pretty sure the Democrats will. And we won't need any, uh, we won't need any, any other, uh, interference to have that happen. Who will that person be? I don't know. Uh, but on my next uh, broadcast, I intend to go into the uh, field as it stands right now. I've already been several candidates announced having exploratory committees and uh, uh, some strong rumors out there. Um, but uh, so far, it's shaping up to be a very large field, but I'm pretty sure that any one of them would be a better occupant of the Oval Office and the guy who's in there now. All right, well, this brings me to the end of what I have to say for today. Again, I thank you for your time. And uh, this is the worst this podcast, I think, is ever going to be. So uh, only upward from here. So for those of you who have stuck this through to the end, I thank you for listening. And join me in about a week for another edition of Forward Maryland. Have a great day.